Hey everybody, welcome back to back to the Noobcast. I've got uh, a, a repeat customer here. Brooks Taylor is with me. Brooks uh, came last time uh, and talked about this new company he's launched. Um, it's called Trident Digital, and it is a crypto hedge fund right here in Greenville, which is pretty darn cool. Anyway, it's so cool uh, that I, I wanted him to come back about six months. It was, I guess, about six months ago you were here. And just give an update on where things are with the business and kind of what's new in the crypto world and the mm -hmm. blockchain world and maybe educate me a little bit. So so welcome back, Brooks. We appreciate it. Absolutely. No, yeah. uh, pleasure to be be back. Yeah, man. Uh, well, give us an update on Trident. Yeah, so I guess the last time, uh, six months ago, this was, this was October, and a whole lot has happened in the crypto world since that time. There yeah. was a pretty big blow up with yeah. FTX and um, sentiment has turned very negative on this space. And a lot of funds that were, you know, come in, they haven't made it through. Fortunately, we're, we're still here. Um, and even though the sentiment's negative, the technology's progressing at a very fast rate. Mm. And we're probably more excited than ever about the prospects of the industry. And we're in a pretty good spot where we're investing without nearly as much competition. Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, the first, I guess we had our first close last July. At that point, there was so much competition for deals. We were really trying to fight for everything. The valuations were crazy. It was tough to put money to work. And now it's uh, the kind of the tables have turned where all the companies mm -hmm. are really begging for money, even mm -hmm. the really good ones. And so mm -hmm. we're kind of have our pick and we're able to be really selective. And um, we've raised... Uh, Almost the entire fund. We're going to have one more close, but we've started investing. All of our investments are on track. We had a really good first quarter. And good. so uh, it's a, we invest over a five to seven year horizon, um, really trying to find undervalued things that we think have exponential upside if they're able to fulfill their potential. Um, and so it's really early to tell, but it's looking like everything's on track. So That's we're great. excited. And so you've essentially, almost raised everything for your fund, and you've already put it to work in was it five companies? We've made seven investments seven. so far. Okay. Kind of how we're doing it, um, I don't know if this is going too far into the weeds, but like 20% of our capital, we're mm -hmm. investing into actually other uh, fund managers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who have a very specific uh, niche or expertise that yeah. we don't necessarily have. Yeah. Um, and then 80% in direct investments. And a lot of that we're getting from these other funds that we're talking to and investing in. Okay. Kind of just the high conviction yeah. part there. But seven investments so far in their own. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So you're connected with some other people that have crypto funds like you that you trust around the world. And you co-invest some and invest in each other a little bit? That's right. That's exactly right. And okay. so we're, um, I mean, our, my other partner's not here right now, but we've probably talked over 150 funds at this point. We've only invested in two, uh -huh. um, but the ones we talked to, we're trying to continue to build those relationships as well mm -hmm. and really trying to figure out what value we can bring to these other fund managers so that they're sharing opportunities and we're sharing things with them. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, no, it's, it's one of our advantages is that network that we're building. Absolutely. Right yeah. So let's back up to the, to the, to the fun headline of, uh, what was that guy's name down in the Bahamas? Uh, Sam Bankman. Sam, yeah. Did you ever meet him? In passing, I'd Did run you into really? Him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, 
it's, it's on you really can't i think we mentioned last time that some of the things you see you can't make up we yeah. had, um and we had we didn't invest in ftx and we didn't have any money on that platform or anything but uh i'd seen a lot of the blow-ups coming that have happened in this space i did not that was um pretty special i mean one reason you might not see that one blowing up is because it was like too big to fail Right. It was like, well, look, Brady's invested and Mr. Wonderful's invested. And, you know, there's no way this could be a scam, right? It, yeah. <laughs> and they had, I think, over a $30 billion valuation. Uh, the amount of money that had gone into that. Is, yeah. uh, and it just showed, it's really, I think, our takeaway, it's not an indictment on the technology. Because yeah. it was really just, he kind of saw an opportunity in the technology and then so joined the industry. Yeah. Um, but it really was just like a bank that was, um, you know, focused on this industry or an exchange. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's a big reason why the sentiment has turned negative, even yeah. though the technology is still developing just right, right. on track. And the, and the, and the price uh, of Bitcoin has gone back up. It started to, that's right. Yeah, since then, right? I mean, since then, yeah, down. I guess it's up about 50% since yeah, that. Uh, yeah. Well, I would say on a positive note for the industry, the fact that they would value whatever the heck you call that thing he was doing in the Bahamas at $30 billion leads you to believe that people believe this industry is going to be a monster. That's and it's just hard to pick early yeah. on, right? And I think it's one of the reasons you, it's so hard uh, for anyone who has a full-time job to then go through and cut through all the noise in this space. Cause there is just so, there's a lot less noise now than there was. Um, it's easier to find signal, yeah. but even still it's, it really is. Um, we think it's one of the reasons it makes sense to have uh, a trusted partner that can get you the allocation to the space. Right. So. Cool. And can you talk about any, any of the, the investments you've made in comp in companies that we would understand? Yeah, so um, one of the really uh, exciting investments we've made so far was in, maybe I mentioned it, but Miston Labs. Okay. It's a, uh, it was this kind of all-star group of blockchain developers that Facebook, now Meta, hired um, back in 2016. And they spent four or five years building out this really proprietary technology at Facebook, had all sorts of resources poured into this project. And they were never able to launch out of fa from Facebook for regulatory reasons. Hmm. Um, they just didn't want Facebook to have a blockchain because it was, you know, they're a social media company. They didn't need to also be a bank. There were mm -hmm. some um, issues with that. Yeah. The team got frustrated and left Facebook and launched Miston Labs. Mm -hmm. But it's basically just an uh, infrastructure lab, and they're launching a series of uh, products that make it easier for normal people to access blockchain applications. Mm. And specifically, a lot of them are around with it being spin off from Facebook or uh, internet applications that are running on blockchain, mm -hmm. things like video games and uh, social media apps that are run on blockchains. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, it's a really exciting project because we got in, it was, this was kind of right when things were, things were still pretty exciting. They had started to calm down, but even though the market had started to calm down, this was seven X oversubscribed. Wow. And so we had to lever, we, one of our partners helped us get into this deal. Yeah. Uh, and the other investors, Andreessen Horowitz, Coinbase, uh, Lightspeed, some really smart people are involved and in, uh, invested in the success of this thing. And so Good. they actually launched their first thing they're releasing. It's just a hyper scalable 
general purpose blockchain. Mm -hmm. uh, don't want to get too technical, but it's uh, a lot of the technical people in the industry are really excited about it. And that releases within the next couple of weeks. So we're excited to see kind of how that, yeah. uh, how that plays and out. So just, just to, to see if, if I can say what, what, what they're doing in a way that I can understand, it would be something like a way to use the phone <clears throat> to exchange money and a contract or an agreement for how we're gonna be swapping whatever we're buying and selling each other. Like if I was on a video game, maybe I could be paying for extra credits or lives or something through the blockchain versus through Apple Pay. That's right, that and it's actually thing. even a step further for like a video, it's entirely open source. Okay. And so it's running on top of a blockchain, meaning that it's, there's not a company like Activation Blizzard that's releasing it. Mm -hmm. It's actually owned by, and controlled by token holders, which is only possible on a blockchain. Okay. And it's, it's kind of like sci-fi confusion to understand. Um, but these things are starting to launch, and um, we think that's actually video games is an area where blockchains could gain some real mainstream yeah. adoption. And I think a lot of that, we, people won't even realize that it's on top of a blockchain, but there's just certain benefits to it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So <clears throat> what you're doing is helping yourself and investors <clears throat> invest in these early stage blockchain crypto type companies that you're making a bet on will become the next, you know, very successful company in this space. Just like people were doing with with software back in the in the early eighties or people doing with SaaS companies in the yeah. last fifteen years. Or the internet and or the internet. Like mobile phone mobile phones, gaming, um, it's just another thing. Artificial intelligence, obviously, is a new one. Uh, let's talk about that. Artificial intelligence with relative to what you're investing in. Yes. That's another um, kind of when we were setting out to create this one. That was really the only uh, – it was really AI and we think blockchain technology are kind of the next technologies that are yeah. kind of on the scale of the Internet. Yeah. And really it's incredible to see – and really a big thesis for our fund is that technologies, they build on each other over time. Mm -hmm. And so the rate of advancement becomes faster and faster. Mm -hmm. So if you think about like, if George Washington fast forwarded 200 years mm -hmm. into the future, he would see cars going around, he'd see, you know, all kind. he would, it would be such a shock to him, the dip, the contrast that yeah. he would literally probably die in shock. <laughs> um, but if someone from the you know mid 1500s came forward to the mid 1700s, mm -hmm. it wouldn't they, there'd be a, you know some big change, but not nearly that level of contrast. Right. And now, someone from you know the 70s, if they just woke up today, mm -hmm. just uh, you know 50 years later, yeah. it's almost this you know there was no internet, no no real cell phones, yeah. no. Um, and so anyway, we it's getting faster and faster, yeah. and so. Um, with AI, it's uh, it's been crazy. So I guess ChatGPT mm -hmm. was the big application that launched a, yeah. a couple of months ago, yeah. and it already has over 150 million users yeah. daily or monthly active users. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's really I, I think over 40 percent of the code that's being put on GitHub right now, all open source code is written by AI, mm. and so it's going to impact every single industry just how power if you if you ever if you haven't 
just go try out ChatGPT and the what it can do is incredible. Yeah. And so it's going to impact pretty much every industry and that is and including blockchain technology and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at how things like writing code on uh, blockchains I think AI is going to play a big role in that, mm -hmm. where it's not going to ha have any human error, particularly mm -hmm. when you have financial applications. You don't want there to be bugs in the code, and AI mm -hmm. makes it so it's. Um, it can also audit contracts. Yeah. There's tools like that, yeah. and so we're. Um, it's happening. It's developing really fast, but we're you know trying to stay on top of it and seeing what, what's yeah. going to be there, and just really just taking a step back and learning at this point. So I imagine you have a your network of people that are in the industry all are talking every day about things. But besides that, where else are you getting your information from? Um, I mean, I'm reading all the time. I have uh, a bunch of newsletters I subscribe to. Mm -hmm. uh, I used uh, on social, like Twitter's actually as weird as that is, it's, there's certain people you can follow that are pretty good. Yeah. And, um, and uh, love podcasts. Yeah. There's a handful of podcasts. There we go. There we to. go. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we're going to conferences about every month at least. Okay. And uh, I think just talking to the f other fund managers, talking to people building things in the space, that's really the best uh Always the best way. To gotcha, gotcha. Um, are there any any investment companies around here? Any people you've invested in around here? We haven't made any investments uh, around here. There's some. Um, there is some stuff like there are a couple of Bitcoin miners in the area, mm -hmm. and that's uh, you know it's one small part of the industry, but it's it's interesting, um, and so we're uh, uh, we've met with them with a few different ones. And um, the chairman of our uh, investment committee, he, he actually lives here. And so he's been really helpful kind of in identifying a few different opportunities that, mm -hmm. that we've looked at. And he's kind of overseeing um, all the investments that, that we do end up making. We have him kind of review. But yeah. uh, it's really geographically dispersed, which mm -hmm. is the cool thing about this technology yeah. is it's decentralized. And so you're seeing activity in the U.S. You're seeing it in uh, – Asia, you're seeing it like in Israel is a big mm -hmm. uh, hotspot for a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and so it's. Uh, well, we you know, that that also is a change that's happened in the last I don't know twenty or thirty years. It used to be, you know, if you wanted to do anything, you would go to Silicon Valley, and that's where everyone you know aggregated and talked about things and got things done. And now, because of high speed internet and everything else, it happens all over the world. Right, you could live right here in Greenville and do it. That's right. You know. And it's more the companies are, maybe they're headquartered in San Francisco, but the employees are all over the country now. Right. And so it's... Right. Yeah. Are there still people working in San Francisco? I thought everyone had left. All, I, <laughs> most of the people I knew when I was out there have left. They have? It, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... We'll see. It seems like New York's coming back a little bit faster. Yeah. Uh, I guess the finance, a lot of the finance jobs, they want you in person. But it seems like San Francisco, the tech jobs, they've just kind of gone remote. Yeah. And, uh, it's yeah. Well, you know, we have, we've had different business leaders in here on the podcast, and they kind of all agree that this has just gotten them. They really thought it through, and they say, hey, you know, just work wherever you can be most productive. Because that's mm -hmm. what they want, right? right? We want people to be productive, not at the office or not at the office or in a van. We don't even care where you are. So I, I, like, I like the fact that our, our shutdown, whatever you want to call it, forced everyone to think that through. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's interesting. Do you see it coming back? I don't. More? No. No. I mean, I, I think what's going to what's happening is people will have these little these little areas, these hubs, um, where they have you know instead of maybe a company that used to have a th place for a thousand people might have a really nice place for a hundred right. or a hundred and twenty where they have meetings and specific small meetings, big meetings. People can come work sometimes, but for the most part, you know, the, the lifestyle of working remote is just so great. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a young, young man who works for me. Um, he's worked for me, and, and his, he's married, no children, young guy. And they'll, they'll just, they'll be living in Croatia or living in Canada or just like, what do I care? You know, right. as long as they show up for the calls and get the work done. So I like that. Mm -hmm. I like yeah, that. It's, it's, it is interesting. That's like my sister and uh, her husband, my brother-in-law, they're there in London, but mm -hmm. they're being in Europe, they're taking advantage of the cheap flights all in, in that area. Yeah. Uh, and so they're going to Italy. They were actually in Bali for the entire month of January. Yeah. Uh, and it's, no, it's an exciting time. Just set up, set up a workspace and get after it. I love it. Um, so AI is going to be really cool. It's going to affect your business too. But I want to just back up for a second for the sake of the, the noobcast here and talk about, you know, if we're, if we're looking at you sitting here, you know, running this crypto hedge fund and, you know, I guess your age is somewhere around 30, 29, 29, close to 30. And, you know, it'd be very easy for me if I was sitting there, you know, in college, saying, I want to do what Brooks is doing. You know, I want to be a crypto hedge fund king. And it's one thing to think of that and want to do it and recognize it as an opportunity, but how, in fact, do you set yourself up to do that? And I know in your case, I'll give you what I do know, is that you went to a really good school, you went to Washington and Lee up in Lexington. And what did you major in up there? I majored in business and accounting. Okay, business and accounting. So you had a good general framework for business. Okay. And then you've worked for a couple of different private equity companies, hedge funds? I worked for, uh, I went into venture capital right out of school. Okay. So it was just investing in early stage tech companies. And yeah, no, it, it, it may not, it was a long road to get, I had plenty of bumps and bruises kind of, um, was personally kind of as I was, um, I was probably spending 20 hours a week outside of my regular job investing in these markets, trying to build my network. Mm -hmm. um, but then really in my jobs right out of school was building, I think the skills to help me um, make that. I don't think I would be able to do this without, mm -hmm. without that experience. But uh, the venture firm I joined, it was five, it was a small firm, but all the partners were really smart, uh, capable people. And I was the only analyst, so I got to work underneath these people, and mm -hmm. I was able to pull bits and pieces and, from each of them mm -hmm. and learn different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's trend, uh, you know, uh, been applicable in what I'm doing now, um, for sure. And then after, so I spent three years there, and then I spent um, a year and a half at a company called Capato, mm -hmm. as chief of staff to the CEO there. <clears throat> And that was another job where I was working under someone much smarter than me and learned all kinds of things, how to hustle. And really, um, tech in San Francisco is kind of 24-7. It's kind of almost like investment banking culture where mm -hmm. you're not sleeping much. You're, not, you're always kind of on um, on the clock. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, uh, I think the five partners and then my boss in San Francisco um, 
really gave me the skills I needed to actually have a shot at this. So <clears throat> two great experiences. And on the side, in addition to those very stressful jobs, you were doing a lot of your own crypto investing, studying, working, networking, whatever, kind of setting up this this passion of yours for later on. Yes, okay. yes. And I think, you know, made we rode kind of a wave up at the beginning and we, we saw we've seen a few different cycles. Yeah. And I was doing this with my current partner now. And so yeah. we got good at working together and really built a trust amongst each other. Um but we definitely made every mistake in the book along the way. Personally, <laughs> it was good. We did it with our own money, yeah. and we've ended up doing pretty well over time. Yeah. Uh, and I think the uh, we, we had a lot of deals that worked out well. Several that didn't. I think the ones that didn't work out well, we took a, we took much more away from those. Yeah. Um, and so now we're able to not make those mistakes again. That's one thing we did get good at is not making the same mistake twice. That's so. good. That's good. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, so let's talk about those people you worked for. It's very important when people get out of school or when they start their career is if you can work for someone that you can learn from, particularly if it's in, the, in an industry that's going to help you, you know, with your career later on, that's a real win. And so you mentioned to me earlier there was five folks you worked for, five VCs, and one of them you learned a lot about sales from. That's Tell right. us about this guy. Yes, he was the managing partner and really good guy, uh, and he could sell anything. And so he was the one in charge of all the uh, fundraising mm -hmm. for the firm. He wasn't the most organized person ever, mm -hmm. and so he kind of would have me just follow him into meetings, make sure that I had printed PowerPoints and everything that he needed. Yeah. And then I would kind of just go in the meetings and not say anything and let him, <laughs> let him, let him drive. Uh, but he just had an unbelievable ability to connect with anyone he was sitting in the room with. Uh -huh. And he was, uh, he had a level of confidence about him where he would just say, he wouldn't say many words, but he, he just had confidence in how he looked. And he would, um, he came across as very likable and fun. And so I think what he did a great job at was putting himself in the other person's shoes. Mm -hmm and thinking about what do they want to hear, instead of just trying to constantly sell, mm -hmm. he would he would be, most of the meeting would be spent with him just asking questions yeah. and asking the right questions and saying the person's name and asking that, you know, asking, you know, what, yeah. and that's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, I've seen, it, it bothers me now when I see people in sales calls just trying to talk, talk, right. talk without letting the other person talk. Right. So he resisted the temptation to say, you know, before we get started, you know, I'd let you know one of the reasons I can help you is because I went to Harvard Business School, right? People will say stuff like that. Right. And they think they're doing it for the right reason. They're kind of doing it because they want to say it. They kind of want to, you know, have an ego, ego come out there. But the worst I've ever seen, I'll give you my highlight, my career highlight for the worst I've ever seen. We had some guys come down to try to buy our company years ago from New York. And they flew down on a private plane, of course. They let us, they let us know it's a private plane, Brooks. They're like, where do we where do we fly into our <laughs> private plane, you know? So anyway, they show up and they're all dressed, you know, really, really fancy suits and, you know, gold cufflinks, the whole thing. And they sit down. And we're just sitting there across the table. And one of them looks at the other one and he goes, why don't we get started by... Uh, 
why don't you tell them something about me? I mean, that's literally how he started. He wanted him to describe, you know, what a great managing director this guy was. So anyway, it's a good lesson you got early on is that people don't want to hear how great you are. They want to hear how great they are. Mm-hmm. That's good. So what did you learn from uh, Caputo? Capato. Capato. Um, and then there, and I don't want to, the other four partners taught me a lot too. It was more on the. <laughs> They're all jerks. It was more on the investing side, looking at how to evaluate businesses yeah. and they were all very valuation conscious, yeah. which was unique in venture because venture is kind of all about growth mindset right. and big returns, whereas they were focused much more on downside protection. Hmm. And it worked well in an industry that was it was kind of um, counter to what everyone else was doing. And so mm-hmm. that I would you know apply that in what we were doing outside of work mm-hmm. into investing in digital assets and really trying to find where's fundamental value, where where is there things that are underpriced as opposed to what has the most gross, you know, yeah. most upside potential. Yeah. Um, and so, um, at Capato, I think just, uh, oper- so the, when I joined Capato, there were less than 50 employees. Mm-hmm. And so it's very much a, um, startup at that point. And a year and a half later, we had grown to over 250 employees, wow. raised a billion dollar plus valuation. And that was just, the company was really successful, but it was absolute mayhem. To what was the business? What did y'all do? We sold DevOps software okay. to other tech companies. And so de- 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 development op, what does that stand for? Development op, uh, operations. Yes. So it's like, um, if you think about like Netflix, okay. they're, um, when they do updates to the software, yeah, it's just, it, we would help, help with that. Okay. And so like, uh, would make it so instead of every two weeks they're releasing a software update where they have to push it out and it may like pause the app. Mm-hmm. It may it would make it so it was continuous. Okay. So that, like Netflix is actually doing updates like every eight seconds. To, wow. Or so it's like very small little um, tweaks and it helps it so there's not as much um, risk each time you push out an update because it's just smaller. Yeah. Um, and so uh, learned a whole lot. It. When a company grows that fast, there's all kinds of. It's just not very natural. Mm-hmm. You're bringing on people every single week. You, you're like you don't even know everyone in the office mm-hmm. uh, who's coming in, and so um, mm-hmm. and there's more work than there are employees. Yeah, too. And so um, his ability. It seemed like there were fires at all times. Uh-huh. His ability to know what needed to be focused on at a given time, address it, solve it, move on to the next thing mm-hmm. while also like staying sane yeah. and, not, yeah. and not going crazy. It was, uh, it was really impressive. Yeah. And, uh, just how did of, he, how did he, uh, do you know how he prioritized which one was the worst one or which one was the one to work on that day? I, he, Seemed like there was always a million things we needed to do. It's uh-huh. something we would do every morning when we would meet in his office. For we would sit and say, "Okay, what are like?" We would say, "What are the most important things right now?" And then he would get on his on his wall and just write really big three tasks uh-huh. that just had were mission critical needed yeah. to be done that day. And then everything uh-huh. else would he get those done and then move on if he if he had time. Yeah. But he would make sure that he if like if nothing else he got those three things. That's done. good. That's a great way. And, to yeah, it was simple, but it, yeah. that was probably the biggest. That was one of the biggest takeaways. I, I still do that today. Yeah, I'm telling you, if people don't do that, then they will pick the stuff on the list that's either fun or easy. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And even like a to-do list of like six or seven things like that. Too much. Can, but if you just have three things yeah. that, and then. Yeah. I do that with our, with our, our support technicians is we, we, we make them, put them in order every day. And I said, said I don't care if you only get one done mm-hmm. or two, but you can't do number one and number seven. It right. can only be one, then two, then three. You know, we can't be jumping around. Right. So that's a great, that's a great time management thing. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think being inside a company like that too, it's really helped me I, um, evaluate companies, kind of what's a good company, what kind of has their yeah. stuff together. And I know kind of what questions to ask yeah. to see kind of how, how it's operating. Well, asking that question is a good one of the CEO. How do you mm-hmm. decide what to do every day? Right. Um, I worked for a guy one time who's a really good leader and he, he tried to stay above any operational problems. And so he had meetings every day that were only intended to improve every group. So sales, how do we improve it? Marketing, how do we improve it? Finance, how do we improve it? And when there was something that came up, like a real problem or a lawsuit or whatever it was, it would drop everything. No meetings today Mm -hmm. until we solve this problem. And then tomorrow or the next day, we'd start back up with kind of our improvement thing. So um, it's pretty interesting. Well, that's good. You got that good lesson. And so you were thinking all along, I want to get into this business, the crypto business somehow. And you had enough experience running these kind of financial money raise, investor, invest kind of situation that you knew enough about it and it was you know six years that i had wanted to jump into the industry Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a time there's wasn't uh after 2017 crypto is very cyclical where it grows kind of in waves Mm -hmm. with each um and uh so after 2017 when uh the, I guess, bubble had burst. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't much opportunity. Capital was very hard to come by. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was kind of looked like the industry d- does right now, where there was a lot of building, right? but there wasn't, um, it was tough to get a fun up and running back then. And I, and I didn't have the experience at that point either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really it was five years trying to, trying to wait for an opportunity to jump in, mm-hmm. um, continue to expand our network, yeah. continue to invest, learn as much as we could. Um, and then uh, finally, when an opportunity to launch a fund emerged, and when, once we had a pipeline, um, we did it. But it was uh, it took a long time. For, so, for us to, so when you say you were waiting for the right time, that would be for the 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 industry to be more well thought of. For the yeah, and so um, no one was wanted to invest in this space, right. and so it would have been impossible to raise a fund. And so, so in twenty twenty, once the um, markets had recovered, yeah. I think we had the background at that point where yeah. we were maybe a little bit more backable right, right. and the industry was more credible where people were looking to invest in it. Yeah. Um, but I think if we had, you know, spent a year or two after 2017 and said, oh, there's nothing here and then switched to something else, yeah. it would have been hard. So I think it was really yeah. just being persistent. And yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're sticking to, you know, the blockchain, the crypto world that you have – enjoyed since you got since college, I guess. Um, and just waiting patiently, like preparing yourself with the network and knowledge. And you already had a business cause you were already buying and selling and trading, you know, with your, with your partner. Um, but preparing for that time when you would be ready and your partner would be ready. 
and the market will be ready, right. right? And that's when you launch it. At the same time, I know the last time you were here, you'd just done real well in the market. Mm -hmm. About that time, so you kind of had some more funds available to, to make something happen. Yeah, and I think our timing was, um, do you want to say, it was, our timing, was, I think, worked out really well for us because we um, were doing kind of structuring the fund, getting all of the infrastructure in place, um, and then going out, putting our, getting our decks together, getting meetings lined up and yeah. then kind of uh, getting money circled up. And then we didn't have our first close actually though, until July, once the, it is the market started coming down, Yeah. but we had raised, we have raised enough now where we can go out and execute. Yeah. And it's a weird thing that kind of the best time to be investing. And, and, and this is true for most industries, but certainly for blockchain, the best time to be investing in this is the hardest time to raise a fund because no mm -hmm. one wants to be investing in it. Right. And so it's the best we had, time to buy. So we had circled up the capital we needed and yeah. are now launching yeah. um, at a time when there's not as much competition for deals, yeah. when it's much easier to see this separate the signal from the noise. Yeah. And uh, you know, we think it's gonna work out well. It's gonna uh, <laughs> try to have a long term I love it. Long term outlook, but we're, we're excited. I love it. Um, so I was going to ask you about information on crypto, but you said Twitter's a good place. Just type in in the in the in the search engine there. Just type in crypto, and there's certain uh, there's certain account there. Uh, I can get you a big list of funds. I don't know if you can put it in show notes or anything like that. Okay. Uh, but it's there's certain uh, funds in this space that publish really good research. Mm -hmm. uh, there's actually Andreessen Horowitz. They're a big venture capital fund in um, the Bay Area. Um, probably one of the biggest, but they have a big focus on crypto now. Yeah, yeah. And they released a really interesting report a month or two ago. So that'd be a good one to follow. That'd be a great one to follow. Yeah, Mark and, Andreessen. Mark Andreessen. Yeah, that's, he, he's the founder, Andreessen Horowitz. And it just shows the, kind of through all the headlines and stuff, mm -hmm. what developers are doing, what applications are being launched, yeah. and that that's the stuff that we're interested in. Well, closing up here, do you have a uh, do you have a favorite book? Favorite book? Um, well, for purposes of your listeners, I think uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the best books, that's or most helpful books I've ever read. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's a good one. I think that's... And then uh, how about favorite word? Favorite your, your word. Your favorite word. That's a good question. I thought you'd say crypto. Well, I could say crypto. <laughs> I, I want to come with something more creative than that. Um, I say I, I like dogs a lot. So there you go. Looking at it. You bring your dog next time. Yeah, I'll have to bring them on. You think they'll be friends? Oh, your yeah. dog friendly? Well, my dog's 120 pounds, but she thinks she's that size. Okay. So. All right. Well, listen, thanks for coming back, Brooks. Um, it's a great update. Sounds like you got your money raised. It's a great time to be out there investing in this space and you paid your dues and you know what you're doing and um why don't you come back in about six months and um pull your rolls royce up right outside and the parking place waiting <laughs> yeah. for you i don't know about that no, it's been great thank you for having me all right man thank you take care <laughs>